Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today in this very special episode. Today, I have got Dr. Robin Prescott on the other side of the line. Welcome, Dr. Prescott. Hi, thank you, Dr. Wayne. Super fun to be here today. Okay, well, thank you so much. It's really great to talk with a a fellow physician whose heart is in helping people heal from pain. And amazingly, at one point, we actually worked on the same street in North Vancouver in British Columbia, which is an amazing little coincidence. But let's go back in time. You just were telling me you've been a physician, a naturopathic physician for five years. So just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what led you into this world of helping people like our audience who are interested in finding solutions for chronic pain. Okay. Well, one of the big things was my own lower back pain and I was searching for answers. It happened to me with a horseback riding accident when I was 11. And, um, I actually had a lot of issues and I couldn't ride and it was at that point in time my life pretty important to me. So I tried different techniques and it always kind of was interesting that, you know, there was pieces. Someone would treat my muscles, someone would treat my bone, someone would treat the in like the sort of physiological side of it. So there was never sort of anyone that looked at like the whole picture and that's sort of what I was questioning and, and what really started leading me to ask questions which led me to naturopathic medicine. Okay, so you had this accident at a tender age of 11, lots of pain, looking for answers. And did you find that there was sort of a particular treatment in your younger years that, that really made the biggest difference for you? Well, when I was younger, I did see naturopathic doctors myself, but I hadn't really made the connection until I was in my second year university and someone actually was like, well, you know, duh, why don't you become a naturopathic doctor? And I, I went home that night and I read what it is that you do. And I literally couldn't help myself. I was like, this is 100% the direction I'm taking. And I it didn't basically turn back from that point forward. So yeah, no, I wouldn't say the answers were clear. It's almost like they're becoming clear as I become more and more advanced as a physician. And then, you know, I think the horses was a big piece as to why I had a draw towards muscles and nerves and bones early on because my, uh, you know, I'd spent a lot of time working with my hands with animals. Okay, so let's go back to a very important question. It's this, what does it mean to have chronic pain? I would say that it is a daily struggle and experience that overrides your system. So it's an inability to almost 
get out. And it's something that I don't want to say you have to fight, but it's definitely something you have to overcome, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I had a disc herniation in my neck too. So I kind of experienced nerve pain and that's a whole other level. And I think those pieces along the way in my journey sort of almost fueled the fire that was already there, like the interest, the passion to help people that was already there. Those just kind of made me go, okay, I really need to find answers that work quickly and effectively, (laughs) essentially, because I wanted to get back to horseback riding, mountain biking, doing the things I wanted to do. So it's all about getting function back. It's about reducing that load of pain on the on the body on the nervous system on the brain yes and living once again because i think as you know and as i've experienced as well and as our patients know we're robbed of right almost the the basic fundamental right of living a life that is of value and is of of enjoyment and i think that's the thing that is robbing people is this enjoyment piece that's just taken away yeah and um thus the yeah. journey that you've been in been on for a long time yeah now one thing i'm going to ask you because when you think about chronic pain you mentioned a disc herniation which is related to you know the disc in the neck bulging out herniating out to the point of compressing a nerve and that gives you a specific pain a yep. nerve-like pain like a burning electric type pain going down the yep. arm but i want to ask you a question about chronic pain syndrome because can you just give us our audience a little bit of insight in well what does that mean because it's a little bit more than just one thing like a nerve herniation or a disc herniation with a nerve impingement but what does chronic pain syndrome mean well i can kind of tell what you're alluding to here with this question But what I would say, and I tell a lot of my patients this, that is multifaceted, meaning it encompasses your body's ability to heal. So that might be how your hormones are impacting the healing process in your body. Or it might be, I look at the nutrient side. So is do you have enough iron to build the muscle, build the bone, build the nutrients you need to repair? Do you have enough of the ability in your body to change the pain? So in that sense, usually it's a brain component. So does the mind have the capacity, the will, and how do you inspire that sense of hope in order to change the trajectory essentially? So it's a multifaceted approach. And even when I treat patients in my office, that's how it works. It's not just one avenue, it's multifaceted. Okay, wonderful. So here's the big question. In your opinion, in your professional opinion, do you believe that chronic pain can be cured? You know, that's a really good question. I guess it depends on the definition of cure. I would say modulate or modify over cure. A cure is a, to me, it seems somewhat finite, but I feel like our lives are very much a trajectory of change. So it's not so much, you know, a finish of something, it's a journey if that makes any sense. I know that word sounds fluffy and I avoid fluffy words in life, but (laughs) I would definitely say it's a healing process. Yes. And I think that's for the majority of people out there. That is the reality. It is a, it's a journey moving forward. And, and that's why we're here tonight to talk about the different treatments that you use in your practice and that you are seeing positive results. And it's just, it's great to be able to talk to somebody like yourself who's so active and passionate about this. 
So let's dive into one of the first things you mentioned on your list, and that was bioidentical hormones. Now, please tell the audience, what is a bioidentical hormone? So basically, it is a molecule or a substance in your body that your body can produce that if you're getting it in the bioidentical form, it's usually from a plant. And it's, I would say it's almost like it mimics your own body's hormones. So bioidentical means as like your own hormone as possible. That doesn't mean that they're not safe or that they are safe or it sort of can mean all sorts of things. We are still putting something into our body. But a lot of times it is easier for the body to accept it and and, then sort of respond to the changes that it needs to have when it's referred to as a bioidentical. So what are they? There's progesterone, which is one form of it. And this one is, as I've sort of seen, a huge piece to, to healing pain because it's a precursor to many different hormones down the cascade. So especially the sort of perimenopausal, menopausal female, where we're seeing a natural decline, it can often boost sort of that uh, healing trajectory. And then the other one would be estradiol or estrone or estriol. There's three different types. And these ones in varying degrees are often useful for, I would say, more sort of the mind regeneration side and helping get rid of hot flashes, those kind of things in the perimenopausal women. But what I always say to my patients, because you know, estrogen gets a really bad rep. But what I would say often is it's not so much about giving the hormones, it's about balancing the scenario. So it's about ensuring that the patient has a somewhat custom plan to what they need according to their their hormone demands, essentially. Okay. And, and do you find with women that they need testosterone? bioidentical hormones as well? It can be. Yeah, it can be, depending on the scenario. I see some women that it's really a necessity and others where it's maybe not so important. It just kind of depends, I think, a lot on the constitution of the person. And I, I often see correlation with people who are under higher levels of stress using up more hormones and therefore needing it more later in life. So oftentimes my preventative measure is to balance the stress in in acute scenarios so that you almost maintain your bucket full of, of what you need as opposed to draining it and then trying to refill it. Yes, I think that's very well described. And I think at the end of the day, balance is something we're all trying to achieve, whether it's through <laughs> yeah. work and life and play and sleep and you know, all the things that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and hey, look at us. We're here at, at almost 8 p.m. chatting about hormones. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't think my hormones have been checked recently, so <laughs> I have no idea what's happening there. <laughs> and just one little thing to note, because there will be some males listening to this, is it's interesting, both males and females have a combination of these hormones that you've been mentioning in much yes. smaller doses, of course, because it's the adrenal glands that get stressed out and affected and the busyness of our lives, and especially in a chronic pain experience. But, yes. but males also have these hormones in smaller levels. So Correct. Yeah. Well, the, I think the reason I referred to women is just to do with the proportion of patients that I see. And it's something I've been able to clinically um, like see, like the actual changes and the improved healing ability in, in a woman that you balance. But 100%, the men that I do have seem totally same thing. Okay. So you've mentioned as well the herbs and the nutrients. 
let's talk about herbs. What are the herbs that you're using in your practice to help so, people with chronic pain? Yeah. So one thing I would say, and this is like probably one of my biggest pet peeves is quality assurance is probably one of the biggest issues with herbs. So it's ensuring that you get it from a really good source, whatever you're using and physician recommended is definitely ideal. So essentially I use the herbs a lot of the times to modulate the cortisol. So what that means is, is sort of um, minimizing the peaks and the troughs that the cortisol levels do in the course of a day and how the patient will experience that is less sort of dramatic impact to the, how they feel towards stressful experiences throughout the day. And often this will actually help to reduce some of the pain response as well. Sometimes I'll use herbs for mood to drop the level if the patient is able to often improve mood, what'll happen is then they can feel like they can manage the pain. So then that sort of almost allows them to sort of go over the threshold and work on healing instead of focusing on the the mind. Well, listen, I'm getting quite excited here. Please, please tell us about these herbs that can actually help <laughs> reduce our stressful responses. <laughs> well, probably. Uh, so I, I use herbs that are from, from Australia because they're really high quality and they've been standardized to the active constituent in the herb which is really, really important. And then the secondarily thing is the dose. So what I would probably suggest is usually things like withania, so ashwagandha is a big one. I do a lot of licorice extract because it is a cortisol, we call it a cortisol sequesterer. So what it means is it pools the cortisol so it allows less fluctuation in the system. And there is some actually good research evidence on that one, which is pretty cool. And then I also use in the mood, I use a lot of times St. John's wort, that one you got to be careful with. And then I do use a lot of rhodiola ginseng, that kind of thing as well. Okay. Well, there we go. We can get some ashwagandha and off we go with some licorice sticks. Perfect. <laughs> good quality one though. Okay? Good, yes. Yes. See your naturopath. You need some <laughs> naturopath first. Okay, wonderful. Okay, and um, you mentioned nutrients. What are the nutrients that you're finding in your practice that really makes a difference for people? This part's really fun. I feel like you'd really like this as well if you don't already do it. Is basically I look at blood work. So I'll look at basic Life Labs blood work, iron, vitamin B12, vitamin D, thyroid, free T4. I look at a wide range of different what I would call markers of absorption. And basically, I'm looking for them in optimal ranges. So instead of just within standard sort of reference range, I'm looking at, okay, we want to make sure you're in the optimal level. And it's almost kind of, I usually say to my patients, I'm like, well, what kind of a car would you assume you are? Are you a Ferrari? Are you a, you know, a Honda Civic? What, like, what kind of a car are you? And of course, they'll usually say, well, I don't know, but I'd like to be the Ferrari. And I'm like, well, of course, do you put regular gas in a Ferrari? And they're always like, no. And so I'm like, well, why would you put regular gas in yourself? So that's typically how I will allude to them. <laughs> what just sort of an understanding of what sort of optimal versus suboptimal is. And if you're trying to heal your body, you need optimal levels to do that. Really, really common. I see low vitamin B12, low vitamin D, low iron, and low thyroid, so T4. And those, you don't need medications to change those, but you do need to work on them. And when you do, it's really impressive, the small differences, and it's very safe for patients. It's impressive. That's, I get really excited about their blood work, and they look at me like I might be off my rocker. <laughs> 
Okay, so like, what what are you suggesting is the optimal dose of vitamin D three for a client? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I mean, the RDA is around a thousand, as we know, for adults. Typically, yeah, I know. <laughs> Typically, I'm dosing according to blood results. So if I see the blood result is basically under a certain value, I'll dose higher. And clinically, I've seen a certain dose work better to move the needle. And so I'll use a higher dose with rechecking of vitamin D levels because we don't want toxic either, right? So, but I definitely would go on the higher side of, you know, two to 4,000 I use a day depending on blood results of course excellent yeah i recently got my check it was 134 units that's perfect which is really good in the range correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's up to 150 is is the range that the life labs is saying in bc that this is normal so and i take about 5,000 a day yeah yeah i think it's it's not huge but it's not small it's kind of a good amount of vitamin d yeah, so I'll usually check patients uh, at, on a yearly basis of vitamin D, and I'll usually do it going into the winter because then if they need extra support immune-wise, I can give them a higher dose based on their lab values. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, excellent. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about diet because it's not a little subject. It's a rather mm-hmm. big subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we could talk several episodes on this one subject. but Oh, you know, for sure. What are the things that you're seeing in our North American diets that is glaringly obvious that we need to wake up and make a change with in order to move us forward for helping our chronic pain? I would probably say the number one is carbohydrates. It's too high for sure. And so carbohydrates is one, probably one of my biggest targets and usually red meat is secondary to that. Uh, usually I'm trying to optimize patients to eat more dark leafy greens. You know, I usually sort of recommend they eat all the colorful fruits and veggies because that's a really easy guideline. And then I tend to kind of sway them more towards fish and more sort of like the Mediterranean diet type viewpoint if they can do that. For me, I I try and help patients feel better and then they seem to start making healthier choices for themselves because as they start feeling better, they start going, oh, what if I do this or what if I do that? And so it seems to somewhat be an intrinsic process, which is really neat. They start being like, well, what am I going to do about my diet? And I'm like, okay, well, now that you've asked, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. I guess what I'm saying is motivation behind it. The patient, you know, you need to feel motivated to change your diet. You know, one of the things that I come across in this world of trying to help people with diet is the monetary side of it and the cost. Because I think when they start looking at this, they get freaked out a little bit and go, oh my goodness, it's too expensive, not just for themselves, but for the families. Yeah. And what have you found in this world of the cost of maybe eating a healthier, optimal diet? I grew up in interior BC and I grew up on a farm. So my my family did a lot of growing of our own fruits and veggies and things like that. So, you know, I think I was really fortunate with that sort of side of things. I think there's definitely ways you can do it. What I often will say to patients is, well, it doesn't have to be organic. As long as it's really, you're getting it from a fresh source, you know, usually I'll say prioritize organic, you know, so make sure that 
the ones that are most likely contaminated if you're looking for that. Usually that's like the dirty dozen, as I'm sure you've heard about, right? But there's something like the Clean 15, which is easy to do. And those ones, you know, less impactful as far as diet goes. And and also then less costly. Organic is, is usually really costly, right? So if you're making smart choices and where you buy them is really key, right? And then the one thing I would definitely say too is in sort of meats and sourcing that way, typically free range or even grass fed or things that are maybe not organic again are still better, right? You're still getting a better profiling of what the animal is eating and then translating that into yourself is easier. And I mean, lettuce isn't all that expensive. I do eat a lot of lettuce. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm partial to my lettuce. Sometimes um, I feel guilty about how much I feed my partner lettuce. <laughs> so I think one thing that really drummed home to me in the last 12 months is this aspect of grass-fed, grass-finished meats. And, you know, you've got chicken, you've got, you've got your meats, your red meats, and also you've got the fish. You know, I think one thing to say on air here is whatever the animal is eating, you're eating. Correct. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, if you've got a great diet, and you, but you just eat the, the meats from wherever, and they're eating corn, or they're eating um, grains, or they're eating um, soya, and these may be foods that you choose not to eat. So you're doing all this wonderful work, but then you're eating the meat that's got the, these ingredients in them anyway. And yeah, and it's, one, it's the condensed form too, right? So you're magnifying it, right? So, yeah. 100%. The very, very good point. Yeah. And I think just to ask the local stores where you are, you know, about grass fed, grass finished and what, what that means. Do you, want to, do you want to explain what that means, grass finished? I came from a farm background. So the grass finish just means that at the end of the animal's life, they finish off eating grass so that the meat essentially gets a big sprout of nutrients right before the the animal is butchered. So because our protein sources and our our fat stores and all sorts of basically high density nutrients in an animal is most likely impacted in a sort of smaller window. And so they're trying to reduce cost. Exactly. Exactly. And I think more and more as I open myself up to this with clients, um, there are more and more locations that are allowing or able to sell this. And, you know, the more that we buy it, then the more available they're going to become and less costly over time. So it's definitely a way forward to optimize the nutrition in our bodies, which is essential for current pain. Um, because what goes in um, influences us in, in every shape, way, and form, in, in my opinion. So. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Now, I would love to talk to you about your TPI, your trigger point injections, your neural therapy, your pro ultrasound guided, but that's going to be for another day because time is rolling on here. And okay. it would be fantastic to get you back again to talk <laughs> about that. And But let's just round this up. Is there any final take-home messages you would like to share with our audience before I ask about resources and you know where you work and things like that? I would say that one of the big things that I tell a lot of my patients that are in chronic pain is I help them sort of listen to themselves because a lot of times at the end of the day, they actually do know what's best for them. And finding a healthcare team that allows you to express how you feel and what you need and guides that process 
basically places you as the patient in the driver's seat and the rest of your healthcare team in, in the car with you is what I would probably say is the biggest impact my patients have um, because then you'll find the right people you need to help you and you'll you'll get the answers that you need and you'll find that sort of hope on the path that you need to get better. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I, I've, I'll give you a little bit of a story. I don't think I've shared it in the show yet, but it was back in the day where I sat my final exam in Scotland as a family physician. And question number 13, I, th- I think they just put this question in just to see how we would respond to it. And it was a quote by, I forget the, the author, it's a very famous person, but it says, physician heal thyself, discuss. Uh, I had 10 minutes or it was seven minutes to wrap this question out and I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? But it's interesting, all these years ago, and it's over 20 years now, and I think more and more as I go forward in time, as you've said right now, you know, you need to listen to yourself because within us, there's an intelligence that will guide us towards healing. And we are the physician, everybody, not just me and you talking with our degrees, but everybody out there on the journey of life with their pain and without pain for that matter has the ability to to move forward and to find solutions and that's you know really what this podcast show is all about and to encourage people to listen just listen to themselves and answers will come i'm sure as they are open and to have faith you know as they move forward so so listen, just to wrap up now, um, just tell us where you work and give us uh, maybe a link to a website you may have about learning more about the information we've been talking about today. So I work at Mint Integrative Health in Vancouver, and I also on Instagram would probably be the easiest way to, to sort of get in touch with me or find out what I'm up to. And that's Dr. Robin Prescott at Instagram. I think that's how it works. Hashtag. <laughs> Excellent. Get those hashtags going. Let's get on Instagram. You can follow myself at Dr. Wayne Finister as well. But Robin, thanks so much for coming on the show and having a great chat. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. 